Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. All right, everyone, welcome to a very special episode of the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Live because from my basement. <laughs> we are in Seth Stewart's new Kansas City residence. That's right. In his basement. That's right. And uh, me and my wife, Megan, just drove up here four and a half hours to come welcome you to your new home. I know. It, you did a great job. Oh, well, thank you. You did a great job. And uh, we've already had some fun catching up, and now it's it's what it's nine o'clock. This is the latest night the, I've ever had podcast. This is the latest podcast for the for spoken gospel. The, the, your three kids are in bed. They I are. don't think two of them are asleep yet, but no, they're, they're in not. bed. They're they're not, but <laughs> they recognize the importance of talking about Balaam. <laughs> they so, definitely do. So they're just going to be quiet for that is very an true. Hour. If there's one thing they respect, it is the messianic points made by Balaam. That's exactly right. <laughs> So um, let's see here. It's been a while since we've chatted um, because of your move. Yeah, it has. And been. so we we kind of recorded a bunch before Hopefully your move. Hopefully, you won't notice as a listener. Yes, dear but, listener. But then, so it's been a while for us. So let's kind of catch even ourselves back up and our yeah. listeners to like what's going on in numbers and where we're at now. Yeah. So let's just rewind all the way back to numbers one, yep. where essentially you have a whole generation of people who are obeying the commands of Leviticus, who have entered into God's temple. Right interfacing with God face to face and they're about to take the land for the right. first time. Yep. They leave Sinai. They go to, to the border of Canaan really quickly, really quickly. Yeah. They get there and they immediately disobey. Yeah. They're consigned to 40 years in the wilderness right. and one by one, each major group of people within Israel, first the rabble, the, uh, the, oh, right. mixed, the mixed multitude, multitude. Yep. The, the foreigners among Israel rebel mm -hmm. and cause judgment to break out. Moses intercedes for them. Then the people of Israel rebel Refusing to enter into the promised land yes. and then trying to take it over in their own strength. Right. Huge right. So problem. We're, we're getting we're going further and further into the concentric circles toward yep. the tabernacle. Moses intercedes for them. Yep. Punishment is pardoned. But then Moses and Aaron fell right. fall. And uh we that's it. That's where yeah, we're the, the priest the priests fall. The priests fall and, and then, then Moses, Moses himself falls. has a at the waters of Meribah right. has a moment of disobedience. And so what we're doing is we're seeing this cycle take us um, from the outskirts of the camp all the way into the center of the camp where the Holy of Holies lies. And what takes us into the center is this same cycle all throughout Numbers, which is commands, punishment, disobedience, and intercession. Yeah. But now, in the story that we're at, uh, the cycle is going to be broken for a very particular reason. And yes. it is to lift our heads <laughs> out of the mucky muck and, like, Put put us put give us a vision of something future right. and better, and and it's going to be done through a very strange yeah. method. <laughs> I think one of the things that when when I was reading through Numbers mm. and even now when I read through Numbers, it's really easy to get lost in the disobedience. Everybody's disobeying sure, yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. Everyone's dying in the wilderness. God said the older generation was going to pass away, and they are. And they are thousands yep. by thousands by thousands. They're all falling away. So it's really good, easy to get lost in God's judgment. Mm -hmm. But God's intention from the garden has been to bless his people. Right. That's always been God's intention to bless his people. He blessed 
Adam and Eve by blessing them to go forth and multiply. In the garden, he blessed Abraham. He said, all those who bless you will be blessed. All those who cursed you will be cursed. Right. He's blessed Jacob. He's God's intention is to bless humanity. Right. And to be fair, like, and to like, or not to be fair, but I guess to continue that, yeah. um, God made a distinction between Israel, between the older and younger generation, so he could bless the younger and punish the older, which is a theme that was right. all throughout Genesis we, as well, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's which right. is like Esau the older was not accepted, but uh, Jacob the younger was. Yeah. So that's, again, happening here. God's blessing is continuing, but through the younger generation. Right, so if you feel the heaviness of the book of Numbers, right. and you're like, why is God so heavy-handed on the judgment? You're really kind of almost missing, not missing the point. God's judgment is real against the older generation for their disobedience, mm-hmm. but God's intention since Genesis has been to bless them, bless the people by giving them a land, mm-hmm. and they're about to enter into that time of blessing in a new land with this new generation. Right. So Balaam, at the very end of their wilderness wanderings, almost acts like this new blessing mm-hmm. for the new land. So that's right. what we're seeing. We're seeing like a swing from judgment to blessing yes. to back to God's original intentions. Absolutely right. And and you you hit on something extremely important for this text, and it was back in Abraham, right? Genesis 12, God made a promise to Abraham, and he said, whoever... Uh, is it as is it whoever you bless will be blessed, or is it whoever blesses you will be blessed? I think it was whoever blesses you will be blessed. I, I think so. Yeah, whoever blesses you will be blessed, but whoever curses you will be cursed. And so there's this relationship that if anybody comes to the people of Israel, right, Abraham's descendants, and say, I bless you, God is going to bless them. Yep. But if they come to the people of Israel and say, I curse you, God is going to curse them. Yes. Okay. And so we meet in in Numbers 22, we meet this king named of the Moabites named Balak. Balak. And he comes to he comes to this uh So at this point Israel's yeah. just taken out two surrounding militaries. Oh, right. So he's getting nervous. So this he's a powerful king, mm-hmm. but Israel is Incre- coming closer and closer to the to promised his territory. land. To his territory. Right. And he, Israel has succeeded in mm-hmm. two major military campaigns. Right. So he's, of countries like bigger than his, right? Yes. Yeah. So he's justifiably nervous. Definitely. And so he hires a sorcerer, yeah, a prophet. A, yeah, like a mercenary prophet to, who like, apparently you could come to and like give money. And Balaam is famous throughout the ancient world. Oh, in right. In Jordan, yes. there's this huge wall that has inscriptions about uh, about Balaam, the son of Beor. So he's this real, well-known prophet of the day. So Balak says, let's hire the most accomplished prophet uh-huh. of our times right. to curse Israel for us. <laughs> Which if you have your ear to the ground of Genesis, <laughs> you're like, you're this, like is, this is not going to work out for Balak. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've been looking at the book of Numbers, you'd be thinking... They deserve well, a curse. They deserve a curse. <laughs> not it coming. <laughs> so Balak hires Balaam. Right. Balaam is a weird character. He, he, yeah, he's really weird. But it's, the, the short version of the story is that he says that I will only say what, the God, what God tells me. And three different times, instead of cursing Israel, he blesses Israel. Right. And then a fourth time, he blesses Israel again as Balak walks away. Mm-hmm. And... Balak is frustrated because Very obviously frustrated. he's he's he now, spent all this money to get a curse, this, and then he, all he got was blessings on his enemy nation. Right, and which if that's from a big mighty prophet, he's like, well, now everything's horrible. But the picture we get is that even that while Israel is grumbling in the camp, mm-hmm. even right after the 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 inner circle has fallen, the yep. people have fallen, everyone's disobeyed. God is still blessing them. It's a huge 
huge picture of God's grace. Huge picture of God's grace. Yeah. So that's the that's the, the big story of what we're talking about. Right. So let's just circle back and say like who is Balaam and then let's talk about uh, the each of his prophecies in turn. Okay, so let's kind of walk through the story uh, in a little more granular pace since that's what we're going to be taking this whole episode to talk about. So um, some liaisons from Balak's court come to Balaam with um, an offer. And they're like, hey, we will pay you and and make you rich and give you whatever you want from the king uh, if, if you, you come curse. and curse the Israelites. And Balaam being, I guess, wanting to hedge his bets or wanting to sleep on it just says, okay, give me the night to sleep on mm-hmm. it. And then I will make my decision in the right. morning. And so the Lord comes to him, right? He does. Yeah. yeah. God <laughs> which actually, which is God great. actually, this, comes this blows to him. my mind. This whole concept of uh, this is a pagan prophet. He's not part of Israel. He knows. I don't know how how he would know of the covenant God of Israel, Yahweh. He's got his own gods. He has his own like uh, omens and paganistic, demonistic yeah. practices. Apparently, like the third, the third blessing, it says he he did not use his did omens. Not use his omens. So apparently, he's like cutting open animals, looking yeah. at their intestines, he's doing, reading like, the tea leaves. He's, he's doing things that Leviticus and Deuteronomy will say not to do when it comes to sorcery. He's yeah. doing those things, and yet God is using this guy, yeah, as a vessel for His blessing, which is like, and what's even crazier crazy. is he even like assumes he has the right to speak to him. So in verse yeah. eight, in verse eight he says, and he said to them, Spend the night here and I will bring back word to you as the Lord, Yahweh. Is that all to is me. that capital L? It's all capital L. Oh, capital capital O R D. Yeah. So, so that's it's like, the He's using God's divine name, assuming that God will respond to him. Because I guess they divination. would they would know who the God of Israel was. Right. Yeah. Because so, everyone had their own gods. Right. Yeah. So I'm gonna go and talk to the the God of this people who are coming up to do battle with you and see what the deal is. Right. Right? I talk to spiritual beings all the time. Right. I'm and a sorcerer. That's my job. Right. I talk to demons. I talk to spiritual beings. That's what I do. Let me go talk to their God, and I'll see what the deal is. And I'm used to bartering with them. I you know, I so, go yeah. and do deals. I'm like, hey, we'll give you this if you will curse. We'll give you this if you'll bless. Let me go talk to Yahweh. He talks to Yahweh, and Yahweh is categorically different. Yes. Right? <laughs> Yahweh just like throws down the truth, and he... He's like, don't go with them. And apparently he just obeys. Yeah, there's no conversation. Which I feel like a mercenary prophet for hire, this is this is like the first time that there's right. been a price that he would not accept. Right. And I was wondering in this whole scenario, like if he is this mercenary prophet, yeah. how often are the other gods speaking to him as directly I know. as Yahweh? I was, this was blowing my mind to think about like the... Because, uh, you know, um, Charles Taylor in A Secular Age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this... He's long po- book. David is pointing I'm pointing to at a bookshelf, book on right? your bookshelf. <laughs> he uh, and this is a really long book that you probably shouldn't take the time to read. It's forty hours it's, on Audible. It's very long, and I have not. Neither of us have made it through the whole thing. <laughs> I've started reading it. I'm about 150 yeah. pages in. <laughs> anyway, he talks about the porousness of yeah, yeah. the ancient world, right? Yeah, well, that this was, idea that the 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 spiritual realm yeah. and the physical realm are always like interfacing oh, so with cool. each other. Yeah, like, where like you're and porous, so yeah. as as um as we become more modern. We've closed. We've clogged up those holes, right. basically, and and no longer is the universe permeable uh, to the supernatural. We've right. we, we've explained everything. We know yeah. that a god doesn't make the sun rise. It just happens because right. of the orbits, orbits, gravity. and everything. We have names for those, things. right? And so, uh, and so, it's we've we've. Tur- I don't remember what he calls the converse of the buffered the, self. The buffered self. Yeah. Yes, the buffered self. We've created a buffer between us and the spiritual world. But when I was, I, was, I thought the same thing when I was reading Numbers twenty two and twenty four. So I was like, does he just have bump ins with spiritual beings and stuff well, all the my time? O- my other guess was that 
whenever he does like intuit what the other gods are saying, it's not of the same quality or kind as when Yahweh speaks. Interesting. So, so when Yahweh speaks... Do you think speaks, he's a liar? Like he's no, lying? I mean, I think... But I mean, you, I mean, I wouldn't put you can look them, at animistic practices all over the world. Definitely. And people are always like communing with the divine mm-hmm. coming under trances. Yep. And, like those are legitimate spiritual experiences. People are being possessed. Right. Like are being possessed. Yes. I think he's used to one type or kind of, uh-huh. of communication with the divine. And when the Lord comes, he speaks to him in these declarative statements. Yeah. And then he says, okay, I can't go with you. Right. I have the most clear word that I've ever heard from a divine being. Mm-hmm. And it says, don't go with you. You can give me all the gold. Yeah, he said you could you could give me a giant house and fill it with silver, and I still wouldn't come. Right, that's the second time. He oh, says. okay, Isn't okay, that, okay. That the second I time? don't remember, but still. anyway. So what happens? The king, the king's men go back. Says yep. he's not going to come. Balak say, sends go, more. Do, men. do it again and do try again. harder. Try harder. More, more impressive men. More money. And yep. Balak says the same thing. Right. I will not. I will not. No matter how much money you give me. Right. But before they leave. Yahweh comes to him and says, go with them. Go with them. Okay. Because God has a plan here. Yes. And so to bless, Israel. to bless Israel. And so Balaam sets out to go with them. And it's here that we run into what is probably the, the one thing you think about if you are familiar with Balaam at all. And it's Balaam and the story of his donkey. You're the talking donkey. Balaam's talking donkey. Yeah, yeah. It's like the only thing I, I ever learned about Balaam. Yes. You know, because no one wanted to teach me poetic prophecies. <laughs> from Numbers 23 when I was in fourth grade. Whenever your Bible teacher is like, wants to get serious about yep. the Bible, he doesn't turn to the, the prophecy about Balaam's donkey <laughs> right. and he talking and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so Balaam sets out uh, because God told him to. Um, but immediately uh, after this, it says that God's anger was kindled against him. But God's anger was kindled against him because, verse 22, he went. Right. So God tells him to go, uh-huh. and then he goes, and then God's angry because he goes. Right. <laughs> and so, it, I mean, there's one verse separating God's command to go. Balaam goes in the next verse, and then God's angry in the next. Yep. So I read that. I was, I was like, wait. I mean, literally in my Bible, it says, wait, why? No, no, no. Why? <laughs> you said you had a satisfactory answer to this. Yeah, and it didn't come right away. But as I, as I became convinced that this whole story, right, is meant to be read um, as a literary unit, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to see some more reasons why that that everything that happens with um, Balak's men and Balaam, Balaam and his donkey, and then Balaam blessing Egypt or Israel, all corresponds and hangs together, and it's all like this foreshadowing fulfillment kind of thing. Okay, and so if you read it as a whole unit, you see later that Balaam apparently is blind to something, and is, even his donkey sees something he can't. Right. And um, and God, after the whole donkey incident that we're about to talk about, right. uh, God says he reiterates his uh, his command to Balaam that he can go, but to only say hmm. what he commands him to say. So why would God double down on this promise or this uh, this command? Right, right, I should right. say, unless when Balaam left, he, he had must the intention exactly. of, of like just doing his divine arts. Yep, he had he and, and when he gets there, what does he do? The first two times. We're told that he uses his omens and his old practices. Right, right, it's not right. until the third and fourth time that he's actually filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks. Interesting. And so even there, he kind of proves that he had some ulterior motives and some other devices he was going to use. And God is like, I'm dealing with a rogue prophet here who right. does not is not used to doing things my way. And so he says, go, but God sees the desires of his heart. 
And so he does this whole fiasco with Bay- with with his donkey. Which why would this whole thing with his donkey happen if it wasn't to change his heart, Balaam's heart? Right. And so I think there was something going on internally inside of Balaam that we're meant to see in his spiritual blindness to this angel in the road that we're about to meet in the Balaam Balaam's donkey story right. that God then corrects which makes right? sense because so if we're if we say like this this is not an overt sin it's not he's not disobeying because he decided to go and then God's angry because he went because he's obeying right. out externally what externally God said. right if it's something inwardly that makes sense because Balaam actually shows up throughout the rest of the Bible he shows up in numbers 31 mm-hmm. he shows up in the New Testament he shows up in first Corinthians and the book of Revelation I'm pretty sure and what ends up happening in the book of numbers Balaam is the one that incites Israel to um, worship other gods the, right. the gods of Baal mm-hmm. so he ends up not being a, redempt- a good guy a good guy he yeah. ends up leading Israel away from the worshiping the true God to other gods yes so his allegiance has always has never been to Yahweh except as a way to make money right so the it makes sense that God would be angry with him mm-hmm. in this moment. Yeah, and he's doubling down on like, only his speak warnings. my words. Uh-huh. Only speak my words. Right. So I think that's what's happening here is yeah. all. Okay, so they set out and um Balaam's donkey starts acting weird, right? Yep, yep, yep. So he's riding on his donkey and his two servants are standing there with him, apparently the witnesses to this whole event. <laughs> yeah. Which were also apparently more blind than even Balaam was. Because he didn't they didn't see anything. But the angel but the donkey, um, refuses to go forward and mm-hmm. said goes into the path because there's an angel of the Lord standing with a sword mm-hmm. and the donkey being intelligent just, <laughs> just decides not to go that way and stubbornly no matter how much Balaam hits him refuses to go back on the path yes eventually after some amount of beating he ends up back on the path the angel appears again and he rams Balaam into the wall that's next to the path Balaam starts beating the donkey again refusing to move and then Bala, the donkey speaks up and says, why are you beating me? <laughs> <laughs> and I think laughing is the appropriate response. It here. is. It's a joke. This yeah. whole this whole thing is supposed to be read as comedy. Yes. Like, this is not, like, <laughs> this is not supposed to be, I mean, I'm, it is, it's literature, but right. it's not like, it's not serious. Right. It's a joke. Yes, this is a joke. And it, and it's it's like, it's like irony. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, that's that kind of comedy. You know, yeah. like. Irony is not ha-ha funny, but right. it's funny. So why would this be ironic? Right. And so like, so, so anyway, Balaam beats him again. Yep. The donkey has a prolonged conversation. The funniest part of this is Balaam, Balaam never <laughs> doesn't acknowledge that the donkey's talking. Right. But just goes on continuing like this is a normal I, part I of his life. I always picture this like uh, in in Toy Story 1 when when the toys fight, like turn around and, like, and, and talk to Sid. Right, right, and he's right. like, so play nice. Yeah, Sid yeah. would just be like, Oh well, what? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you running away? I'm just trying to blow you up. You know, like right. he has a civil conversation right. with the toys. Like that's kind of what's happening here. Um, but what's happening here like, is really important to to kind of frame out. So we're told that Balaam refused to heed the warnings of the donkey three times. Right. Right. Three times the donkey said, "Don't do this." Right. And then he, he was like, "No, you will obey me. You will yes. go the wrong way," uh, until. Um, in, in kind of this extra um, revelatory, miraculous kind of way, a donkey talks, yeah. right? And this is going to foreshadow the fact that Balaam is going to have three moments wh- where he is told to curse the people of Israel. And mm-hmm. now Balak, the yeah. king, is the donkey, or is is Balaam in this situation, and <laughs> Balaam is the donkey. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. Balaam is like, 
I can only bless. There's this big right, spiritual right, right. barrier in the way. And Balak's like, no, er, like, yeah. why won't you do what I tell you to do? Funny. And then Balaam's yeah, like, yeah. I can only do like what the Lord, there's a big scary angel in the way. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. So there's this like parallelism. So it's, it's so what, in the, yeah. so what you're saying is the fact that Balaam beats his donkey three times mm-hmm. and he starts talking and it's funny. Right. It's supposed to point you to the irony in a moment where Balak is, r- is writing Balaam's prophecy like right. his donkey. Yes. He's like so angry that he's uh-huh. like he's he uh, that he's beating trying to beat a curse out of Balaam. Uh, yes. But he can't get it. Right. And then the fourth time, mimicking the donkey. Right. The donkey just opens his mouth and speaks in a extraterrestrial kind of way. Right. And in the same way, the fourth prophecy of Balaam is unspurred on by a prophecy uh, or uh, mm-hmm. by like a sacrifice unspurred on yeah. by Balak's demands. He just is filled with the Holy Spirit and starts prophesying in a unique way. And About we'll get there. the star of Judah. Yes, which, which is the capstone of all of numbers. And we'll get there. But like, we're supposed to be setting up categories to get ready for the fact that okay. these three denials are going to happen and he can only be constrained to do what they're like, what's spiritually going on here. Fascinating. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's foreshadowing. Right. I also think it's, um, what's the opposite of foreshadowing? Oh, I have no idea. Pointing us back. Uh, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's reminding us of the story of Pharaoh. Mm. So Balak mm-hmm. is being pictured, I think, as a type of Pharaoh in general. He is scared of the Israelites, right? He's scared of the Israelites. Yep. Both Pharaoh and Balak are like the kings of these huge nations. Mm -hmm. Both are trying to prevent Israel from entering in the promised land, which is what we're told in Exodus 1, 10. And we're told again here in uh, 22, verse 6. Okay. Both are intimidated by the size and the number of the people of Israel. Both In both cases, it's the number of the people that Mm -hmm. are like... um, uh, I mentioned, and both try three different times to um, counteract God's blessing. So we had the slave masters put over oh, Israel yep. to increase their workload. Mm-hmm. We have the midwives who are supposed to kill the males, oh, and yeah. the, all the people who are supposed to throw the babies right. into the Nile River. So Pharaoh three different times tries to throw mm-hmm. to try to counteract God's blessings. Balak three times tries to counteract God's blessings. And both times, the plans that they have for cursing Israel ends up being their A blessing. blessing. Ah. And and in the same way that the Star of David is the Star of Judah is the capstone, the fourth prophecy, after the three times, Moses is announced as the one coming out of the water. Right. So the final curse is that they would be thrown at the water, uh-huh. but it's actually the, the way that the star Oh, Judah rises. It's right. the way that Moses out rises of out the of place the water. that they were trying to get right. them to be cursed. Right. Interesting. So, why this connection to Pharaoh then? Like, why is it important for because us? Because it's the bookend of the wilderness wanderings. At the beginning, before oh, right. Israel goes on yep. this whole journey, you have a strong king trying to counteract God's blessings, and a new leader is prophesied, and Moses is raising up in Pharaoh's mm. courts. And at the very end of the wilderness wanderings, you have another big king who three times try to counteract God's blessings, and another king is prophesied. But this time, this one is prophesied to be greater than even Moses. This one is a new Moses mm. at the end of the wilderness wanderings because Moses has proven himself to be an inadequate leader by right. the past few chapters. And so would, would it, would, then if I could extrapolate like a theological yeah. significance out of this literary significance, yes. right? would it be that God always brings a blessing that he intends no matter how much of a curse we deserve? Like because if you if yeah. you, you get to the end of Genesis and well, so what, much has happened, well, man intended for evil, God, God intends, intends for, for good, good, right? Yes. And so it's like from the beginning of your story to the end of it, I'm going to be faithful even when you're not. 
right? Yes, that's exactly right. Which is what Jesus does when he <laughs> yeah, comes, yeah. right? He's the he's the consummate uh, he's the consummate uh, Moses who comes, right? And like, I mean, topples could, kingdoms. We're and, get, we're gonna if we can make that point in the text because mm-hmm. Balaam starts talking about these nations mm-hmm. um, that aren't around yet. So in uh, chapter twenty four, verse twenty four, ship shall come from Kittim and shall afflict Asher and Eber. A lot of scholars, there's like not a ton of consensus about what those are, but the most likely places mm-hmm. are to talk about Rome and Babylon mm-hmm. because it, nowhere else in the Bible, not well, not in the Bible, but in Joshua, like the, the early conquest narratives, oh, right. they're never mentioned they're until, not going Daniel, to yet. until Daniel and mm-hmm. Ezekiel, which is hundreds and hundreds of years later, right up on the edge of the Roman Empire. Wow. So Balaam is prophesying about kingdoms that are only mentioned in Daniel and Ezekiel right before Rome comes and conquers Babylon. Dang. And so he's saying the star of Judah will rise then. Mm. So he is prophesying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in the future, I think, historically, about Jesus. Right. He is the new and better Moses who will come after the nations of the world try to undo God's blessing, and mm. Jesus will come to pronounce from their curses the final rising from the waters of curse, the curse, the final from the curses mm-hmm. blessing. Yeah, it's such good news because, like, I remember, like, if if you guys have seen the numbers video we did introducing the book of Numbers with this cycle of sin yeah, yeah, and yeah. it always leads to death and there's nothing we can do to escape it because of our hard hearts. And then Jesus comes and breaks that cycle of sin. I'm just like, it, it's such a beautiful picture to go from um, these these literary bookends from one to the other where you have. Um, God coming in and saying, I'm going to bring a blessing out of the most cursed situation, genocide, yes. you know, oppression, slavery. And now uh, you kind of have the same thing. A whole uh, entire generation has died. Um, they're about to, like, they, they've been like enslaved in the wilderness in yes. a sense. And, and you he's have saying, a king hiring the most accomplished prophet in the land right. to come and curse these people. Yeah. And from his intentions to curse... God yeah. brings blessings to the so whole nation. It's just like a beautiful picture of, of like the, the any same, situation we can get in. I'm just trying to like apply yeah. to my own self here where it's like 40 years in the wilderness, you know, You're enslaved. You're almost there. You're yeah, I'm, 30. I'm 31, <laughs> you know, but like enslaved to all, any number of, of sins and idols that I've had in my own life. And um, I just often feel like I deserve a curse. Like I know what I deserve. Right. right and right, it right. is definitely not a blessing. Yeah. And yet like God has promised in these most extravagant historical ways that he will do crazy things to bring blessings. While you're complaining about not getting more blessings. Right. He's sitting like, as I'm complaining about the fact that my kids aren't going to bed on time and that I'm not making enough money and that I'm doing a podcast in the basement. Like the (laughs) Lord is sitting in heaven taking my curses and turning them into blessings. He's taking the curses of the crowds chanting crucify, crucify him. him he's taking the the cowardice of pontius pilate and his and mm. his decisions he's taking all those things and he's turning them to blessings for me right you are my son yeah I, israel was like, sitting there in the valley yeah balaam's like looking down on them and <laughs> and they have no idea that they're being blessed from above when all they deserve is a curse which i think should make you think back to the story of balaam riding on the donkey so balak is not just foreshadowed as the donkey mm-hmm Israel is like Balaam. Or wait, or Balak is foreshadowed as the as uh, Balaam. As Balaam. And Balaam becomes the donkey. And it's a little confusing. But, but Israel 
uh-huh. is also Balaam like Balaam on the donkey. On the donkey, God is trying to lead them on the right path away from God's judgment. Right, but they constantly slam Balaam is hitting the donkey yeah. as hard as it can to try to go back towards the thing that will kill right. them. Right, it's like yeah, it's like Israel in the wilderness, like. Uh, God is basically like the donkey, like the beast of burden, carrying them where they're supposed to go, and they're beating the donkey, going, "We want to go back to Egypt. We want this kind of food. We, you know, right, like," right, right, right. and they're just complaining constantly. And God is like, "I'm trying to take you where you're supposed to go," and they're just complaining the whole time. Right? Yeah. What it have I really done to deserve this? Yeah. Have I not treated you right well mm-hmm. all my years? <laughs> like this is the right. conversation Balaam has with the donkey. And like, I don't want to jump there too early, but isn't that one of the reasons Jesus brings up in his trial for being unjustly condemned. He's like, you know, point out my fault. Does, does mm. he say that? Like where, where it's, he's like, if what I've have, done wrong, if I've done wrong, point right. it out. Like, right. what have I done to deserve this? And Jesus is now Balaam's donkey where, uh, they're, they're like, nope, that's not the way of the Lord. That's not what the kingdom looks like. That's not what, um, God coming to earth is supposed to be. And, and Jesus ends up instead of slamming him, like slamming them against the wall, he walks into the judgment. He walks into the angel. Into the with, angel of the Lord with the sword. With the sword. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just interesting. It's anyway. Super fascinating. Yeah. So the donkey and Balaam are basically everybody in the biblical story. Yes, absolutely right. <laughs> at, at some point, we all need to like take a look at ourselves and and wonder when we've been Balaam on the donkey. Right. Because the point that I, I think that we haven't said yet that's being made here by this fanciful comedic story i've heard somebody call it a uh, biblical burlesque <laughs> like it's like <laughs> yeah it's yeah, like, yeah it's like this ridiculous story show because yeah. the point is sometimes you are dumber than a donkey right yeah that's what I, that's the point i was trying to get to yeah it's like the thing we haven't said yet is this great wise all-seeing balaam doesn't know and can't see the spiritual world as well as a dumb donkey Right. Like that's the point that's being made. The chief seer. sorcerer, the chief seer is of blind. the land <laughs> is blind compared to a donkey. Right. And so like that's just what like that and like that that should remind us of what like Paul said that that God used the foolish things of this world to shame the proud. Like God uses m- mild, meek, meager things to do beautiful huge he uses grandiose curses things. to bring about blessing he uses the cross which is folly which is folly, and a curse itself and a curse itself to bring about resurrection life right yes yeah we are dumber than a donkey yeah. because we don't we think we're balaam seeing perfectly the spiritual world out there but really yeah. we're dumber if yeah. we claim to see yeah. we're actually blind which oh is right what you said. said the pharisees yeah yeah absolutely so it's like i think this 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 whole story should get us to question our own presuppositions, our own intelligence, our own biases. And it just should say, make you laugh at the things that you think you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It should humble us all and be like, we're all on a donkey. We're all riding a donkey that's smarter than us. Uh, it's in some point. Right. Like, which is just interesting. Okay. Well, let's, 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 <laughs> eventually let's, our donkey's going to talk back. And eventually us. the donkey talks back. And that's when you finally learn something. Which is like the storyline of like any good, like sitcom. It's like the thing that we take for granted. Yeah. It's is the thing all- that comes back and chastises us. Right. It's exactly right. Or the, or the girl that we never thought was beautiful. She takes turns- off her glasses. Right. It's yeah. like, there's always, 
always this theme that the thing that we take for granted, the thing that we push aside, that we think that's right. foolishness, actually is the thing that comes to correct us <laughs> right. and correct our assumptions. Yeah, which is what they did to Jesus. He came and his he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. They pushed him away, and then it was him who they the the stone the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. Yeah. So okay, let's leave Balaam and his donkey behind, and let's go to the story of Balak um, trying to demand a curse out of Balaam. Okay, so Balak takes Balaam to this overlook, this this place up on the mountains where they could look down in the camp of Israel and see part of them. I mean, they're spread out all over the place, so they can't right, even see the whole group at once. Potentially close to two million people. Right. right. And so they're looking down on the people of Israel, and Balak says, okay, here they are. Curse them. <laughs> That's the deal. And Balaam's like, well, I've told you before, I can only ever, I can, I can only say what Yahweh says I can say. But we'll see what yeah. happens. So set up seven altars for me and give me seven bulls and seven rams. And That reminds me of Leviticus. It should remind you of Leviticus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but so you think God told him these are the sacrifices I want you to make? I actually don't think so. Or do you think he's just studious and he knows that Yahweh mm. accepts these kind of sacrifices? Because in, Maybe. The, in the blessings that he's about to give, he quotes the Old Testament throughout them. Oh. So my assumption has been that he was familiar with the religious, the, the sacred writings of the, or the practices, the practices of the deities. Maybe then. And so he just knew that these are the common practices, the common promises of each of the major religions in this time. And so he's using yeah. them to it's like... It's also like sacrifice wasn't unknown to that, to right. other cultures. It was what, it was what they meant, not what they were, that made Israel's sacrifices unique. And so I, I don't really have don't a problem know. with him just being unaware and just making his normal sacrifices. But seven rams. But seven. Seven are, is an important number. And then seven rams yeah. and seven. It's just that 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 yeah. that, that those categories, those, right. those animals in that exist in in those numbers have existed in Leviticus. Yes, so anyway, right. either way. And so he goes and sets them up, and Yahweh comes to him, which again blew me away the first time I read this. It did. Like, with new eyes, I was like, man. I thought God only showed up like this to Moses, you know? right? And like here he is talking to some pagan, and uh, and do you have it open? What like what, yeah, yeah. what kind of what's the gist of what Yahweh comes to him and says? Um, and God met Balaam, uh, and Balaam communicated to God, "I got you your here's your stuff, <laughs> here's your stuff." <laughs> and uh, the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and says, "Speak this," and then it's actually eight verses. Yeah, and essentially. He says, um, really quick, though, yeah. that's just such a cool little word picture <laughs> of like God put a word in Balaam's mouth, which yeah, is yeah. a very Old Testament prophetic way of talking about the prophets of the Lord. Like, uh, like this is right. the word of the Lord. This, this is the word of the Lord. Yeah. God puts it in his mouth. Mm-hmm. He can speak nothing else because that's all. That's all that's it's, there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can only spit out marbles when marbles are. F- right. If your mouth is full of marbles, marbles, all you can spit out is marbles. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so 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 Balaam then goes back to Balak and says... And says, hey, these. I told you, I can't curse anybody right. that God is not cursing. So here's the marbles he spits and so out. He, and he says, like, you're afraid of his numbers? Uh-huh. Who can count the dust of Jacob right. or number the fourth part of Israel? He's like, they will be mul- they will be this large forever. Yeah. That's the first blessing. The second blessing that... so. So he's like, "What are you doing? Let's yeah. go to a different part. Let's go to a different. If you if you if you saw a smaller section of them, or maybe from a different vantage point, or right. if I give you more sacrifices, or if I'm just overly insistent, if I slam your leg, you know, if I slam you against the wall, maybe, or you know, 
if, right. if you so, slam me against the wall, I don't know how it works. Right. And so, so remember, Balek is worried about the size yep. and like the fighting strength. And so the first one addresses the size. The next one addresses like the strength of the mm, Israelites. Okay. And so he says, God, God is not a man. He's not going to change his mind about the fact <laughs> right. that he is only going to bless Israel. And so you should. And so he says that uh, Israel is like a lion, right? mm. a wild ox, mm. and a wild ox is just what Balak described Israel as earlier on in the narrative. It's like Israel is like a wild ox; it's taking over everything. I'm oh, not going to so, be able to. Su- so he's saying it. your worst dreams are coming. Your true. Your worst dreams are coming true. <laughs> they're just as vigorous as you thought they were. They they are a blessing. That's awesome. And Balak frustrated again, getting more frustrated, just as Balaam was frustrated earlier with the donkey. Yes, right. Um, wants another oracle. Right. And so this time Balak uh Balaam doesn't even They go to attempt. a different place. They go to a different place, but this time Balaam doesn't do the things the omens searching into the tea leaves that he does before. Nope. Something absolutely unprecedented happens next. Yes. The Holy Spirit comes to him. Yes. Like what? Now now we've talked about the Holy Spirit in the number series already, right? And like what it meant like remember Moses like I wish everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like we, we talked about how Joshua had a similar spirit as Moses. Right. And so now it's like this spirit that was uniquely in Moses, uniquely in Joshua, yeah. and then has been in a few of the elders, is now in a very interesting way in this yeah. pagan. Yes. And he speaks the word of the Lord by the spirit of the Lord. Yes. And what's this? What's the content of the third blessing? Uh, well, I actually, I realized I misspoke in the last one. Oh, okay. In the last one, his, the, the vigorousness of, uh-huh. of Israel is described as a lion. It's in this one. They're described oh, this as is an the ox. ox. Okay. And so it's like, your worst dreams are coming true. Uh, but this is a super interesting. Mm. Uh, water shall flow from his buckets and his seed, mm-hmm. Israel's seed, right. shall be in many waters. So the way that I've said this, I've, I've been trying to bring us back to the point I made earlier where I said these that Balak uh-huh. is a type of Pharaoh. Oh, right. Yep. Who uh, both of them were afraid of Israel's numbers. Yep. Both of them tried to stop them three times. Both of them did all these things. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh was concerned about Israel's number. Mm-hmm. And they were, he was worried that Israel's numbers would cause them to overtake them. So it was Balak. And so what was the first prophecy all about? The first blessing that, oh, their that Balaam gives it's all about their numbers right um the second prophecy that balaam gives is about how strong and vigorous the people are oh and the second right. thing that pharaoh tries to do is give the midwives to kill the babies but what do the midwives say they're vigorous they're too vigorous they just keep <laughs> popping out babies everywhere <laughs> and so the they're th- too numerous too vigorous and the third thing that pharaoh does is he throws all the babies into the river right and then um, Balaam's prophecy is that their seed shall arise from many waters. Mm. And what's Moses' name? Oh, out he, of the water? He comes out of the yeah. water. So he's like, <laughs> this is God's, you can't. Oh my gosh. They got, they, somebody else before you try to throw them into the river and out of the river came this nation. So you cannot, they're like wild ox. Oh my goodness. You will not defeat okay, them. So you tried <laughs> to take them down into the water in order to create death. Yes. But what came out of it was more life than could ever be expected. Yes. That doesn't sound like anything familiar at all. He, in this last prophecy... Baptism. Okay, sorry. He also quotes Genesis 49 about being like a lion. He also quotes Genesis 27 about blessing those who bless you and cursing those who curse you. Oh, right. Like, he, like, Balaam is borrowing all this language. He's bringing the Torah together. He's bringing the whole Torah together, repeating all the promises God has made to Israel to Balak and saying, you have no hope. Which is... Which is such an interesting thing. Like, there's so much, there's so many threads I want to pull here. So many. 
Uh, one that immediately popped to my mind is um, Israel as a like a blessing to the nations. There's supposed to be this blessing to the nations, and he comes and proclaims the good news of God's relationship with Israel, and it's bad news for Balak. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's because God God's presence over the face of the earth is a blessing to all nations, all the earth, and so it's bad news for those who oppose him. The, mm-hmm. You know, if you curse me, you'll be cursed, right? Right. But it's good news for those who bless him. If you bless yeah. me, you'll be blessed. And so Balak is um, another Pharaoh yeah. that God will get victory over in order to show that he is more glorious, which is yes. the reason he gave back in Exodus for why he... And no matter how much Pharaoh cursing, yep. how, much, how much the powers of the world try to counteract mm. God's purposes to bless, the Lord will always win. The force of the world, Rome... The religious elite yeah. try to crucify Jesus. Right. They try to bury him in the ground, mm-hmm. and he just rises from the dead. Well, and and not only the physical powers of the world, but the spiritual powers. This is a necromancer sorcerer dude we're talking <laughs> about here, who's running into spiritual beings all the time. Yes. and and the spiritual beings, Satan and his legions, tried to snuff out the light of the Son of God, and he put them to open shame in his resurrection. Yeah. Anyway, it's just amazing. And then it is crazy. The whole mini seeds will come out of the water thing. How is that not? Can't you just see people popping out of the waters of a baptistry? Oh. Like, it's just like into the water, there's death, and it's buried there. That's what Pharaoh wanted, but that's not the end of the story. Right. There's life that comes out of it, mini seeds that come out yeah. of it. And it's almost like also like this one seed that we heard prophesied about in Genesis 3.15 a long time ago. Oh, don't would, you know that Balaam quotes that one too? Come on. <laughs> It's in the Balaam, ne- it's get in out the, of here. It's in the next oracle. Oh, my when gosh. When he starts prophesying about the, the star of Judah. Yeah, we'll bring He's, it in real quick, and then we'll talk about he the He says, essentially, one. and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and it shall crush the forehead of Moab. No. So, like, Balaam is quoting Genesis 3, oh that there goodness. will be a ruler who comes out of the waters, and Jesus' death is described, like, as, like, the waters of death, like, yes. who comes out of the waters, who will crush the head of the serpent Moab <laughs> but and the, rise yeah. like a star. <laughs> and then there will be many seeds that come out of the water yes. after him, which are us who yes. have believed in him because of his victory. That's amazing. Okay, so Balaam is, or Balak is mad, very mad. And Balaam is like, well, I'm just, you know... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strike while the iron's hot. And he just keeps going with a fourth oracle that was not commanded by Balak. He just leans in and he starts says, prophesying. And now behold, I'm going to my people. Yeah. So apparently he... He's converted. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, if that's where all the blessing is, I'm going to be there. Right. Which is how he ends up in the next chapter among the people. Right. Come, and, I will let yeah. you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. Yeah. And he's like, let me just tell you what's coming. Right. And and there's some amazing, like amazing stuff here. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, in his final oracle is what he says about um, this star that we keep referencing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it starts off and he says, I see him now, right? Uh, I see him, but not I see, now. I see him, yeah. I see him, but not now. Verse 17. Yeah, I behold him, but not near. Yeah, this is uh, Numbers 24, 17. So he's saying like, I see this new figure. Yep. It's true. It's there. This it's going to happen. seed rising out of the water like Moses. Right. I see this new figure mm-hmm. rising. But it's far away. I don't quite know what he looks like right. or when he's coming. It's not right now. I just see that it's going yeah, to happen. It's it's not near. And so he's like, this is something in the future that's going to happen. And, and so, yeah, and, and his and, scepter will rise. Yeah. So he and says he will crush the head of the serpent. <laughs> it's amazing. So it's a star 
that will come out of Jacob. Now, we've talked about this before. <gasps> Dude, we've talked about this before in Numbers uh, with the census. Remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talked about how it's possible that the stars in the sky, you right, know, we talked about how right, like, those right. were celestial beings kind of in right, the, right, the right. creative imagination of people in the ancient Near East. And so, you know, whenever he talks about a star rising out of Jacob, he's talking about, I see a spiritual being. A spiritual being. Rising out of Jacob. Wait, how can so he sees a god yes, rising yes. out? Yes, how Jacob. can a but how can a god come from man? Uh, only if he's both. <laughs> only if he's a god man. It just seems like a little bit of incarnation. Incarnation right? going on here. <laughs> that's how oh, that's fascinating. That's yeah, yeah. And then, you, yeah, I don't remember when we talked about that uh, about how the stars mm-hmm. were considered divine beings. It was with the it was with the Genesis? census. No, it was with this. It was in numbers with the census. Numbers? Yeah, okay, we talked try, about. Try, we were trying to figure out. Remember, there was like this astronomical counting yes, method, yes, 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 and yes. we were trying to figure out why what all the numbers meant. Yeah. So like, and so if the stars are considered these divine beings, uh-huh. gods among the universe, right? He's saying from the nation of Israel, I see somebody coming out of the water like Moses. I see somebody crushing the head of the serpent like, like the promised like, seed. I see, I see all these things, and he's also coming up and. He's a god. Yeah. He's a star in the sky. Right. And, and then what does he do when he rises? He has a scepter, which is a sign of rulership. Mm-hmm. And so Moab is this, uh, or sorry, uh, Balak of Moab is this scared king. And he should be scared because there is this consummate god-man king wielding a scepter. And he will bring his kingdom. He will rule and reign uh, through and out of his people Israel. But he'll rule the whole world. Even nations that don't even exist yet. He's yes. going to start ruling. Uh, I mean, this is the kingdom of God promised right. in the fourth book of the Bible brought through Jesus Christ. That's what yeah. we have here. It's amazing. This is this is one of the most crazy prophecies in the whole Bible. So crazy. I wish I could go back and say more, like re-record this whole podcast and yeah. say all this again, <laughs> but better. I know. And do it for another 20 minutes. I know. All the extra time we saved. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's crazy. So it, it's just so beautiful, all this stuff that happens. Um, I mean, as we kind of come to the end of, of Balaam's time here in this, in this passage, right. what other observations do you want to kind of throw on? I mean, just, I mean, I, I, we've said it already. The last thing that he says, and who shall live when God does this? Like, when will all this happen? Who shall be alive on the earth when God does all oh, this? Oh, sure. Ship when ships come from Kittim mm-hmm. and it afflict Asher and Eber. So when Rome overtakes Babylon. Mm. Um, oh, dang. Right. But that's <laughs> that's not until Daniel and Ezekiel. Nobody else mentions these nations, Kittim right. or, or yeah. um, what I keep forgetting, Asher and Eber yeah. until Daniel and Ezekiel. So he's just, it's, it's another way for us to see that Balaam is categorically talking about Jesus, yeah. not just in shadows and types and by quoting the Old Testament as if that was but not historically, enough. Ge- but historically, geographically, <laughs> politically, he's like inescapably name, talking about he's Jesus. naming the nations that right. other other biblical authors will talk about mm-hmm. written hundreds of years later. Because Daniel, like help us out here. You've right. studied Daniel pretty recently. So Daniel yeah. talks about these different kingdoms. It was right. Babylon, and then you had like the Medes and the Persians and the right. Greeks. And the Greeks, and then... The, and then Rome, and then which Rome. is unnamed in... In it Daniel is. itself, but it was a kingdom. He said, "Then one will come, and it will conquer all of them—a kingdom like never before." Right. But then one will come. But then it, but it'll, it'll be divided, just it'll like be it di- divided, it's just like, like it was in Rome. It's very spot on. It's very spot on. Yeah. Even if that's not the main point of Daniel, right? It's definitely it's, very spot on. It's very miraculous. Yeah. yeah. And so, and out of that divided kingdom, 
comes this Jesus, Jesus this Lord forever, this everlasting Son of Man right. that Daniel prophesies. And, and, and so, and so and what in, you're saying, I just want to yeah, yeah. close this loop. Yeah. So, like, what you're saying is that this this prophecy in Daniel that is inescapably linked to Rome is the only other time we have these nations mentioned, and they match up with Balaam's prophecy, and both of them terminate in the only possible solution being Jesus of Nazareth. That's, That's, I mean, that's just... It's it's amazing. That's insane. And then, like, I don't know if this is intentional, but, like, (laughs) Balaam describes him as a star rising up out Mm -hmm. of Israel, and then Daniel describes this kingdom that's coming, mm-hmm. this kingdom that's coming as a meteor coming out of the sky. Right. The star <laughs> goes, the star is up and it comes yes, it right comes back down. down. Talk about incarnation. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I think, I mean, we've said, we've said this also, but it, I think it does bear repeating that whether it is out of the mouth of a donkey mm-hmm. or out of an unexpected pagan prophet who is later condemned in the biblical right. narrative, um, God uses unexpected, shameful, sometimes difficult to understand, uh, like places and people and situations to bring about um, his ultimate blessing, this Jesus, you know, that would yeah. come out of this kingdom. And I, it just makes me think about like, one, it makes me think about the shamefulness of the cross. Mm-hmm. It makes me, it also makes me think about anybody who is listening and their life situation um, where it's like, there's no way God's at work right. in this crummy situation. Yeah. Right. I'm here because of my own decisions. Yeah. I'm a child because my parents made poor decisions. Mm-hmm. And who will rescue me from this? Right. And the Lord says, I will bring blessing out of curse. Mm-hmm. My intention since the garden has to be bring blessing out of curses. Yeah. And you can see that most clearly in Jesus, mm-hmm. who was killed on a curse, right. killed by a curse on the tree, and yet he was resurrected from it. Right. To bring you a blessing. Yeah. It's so good. And so what we'll see then as we turn the tide here and move into Numbers 25 and 26 is a new regiment, right? The the younger generation takes over from the older generation. The blessings are pronounced, the blessings and the pronounced. new generation mm-hmm. picks is, them up yep. and takes them and starts to succeed with them uh, from Numbers through Deuteronomy into Joshua before it all starts to crumble again. <laughs> and so that's what we'll pick up next week. Um, we'll pick up Numbers uh, 25 and onward. So thank you guys for listening so much. It's been fun for a late night podcast here yeah. in a basement in Kansas City. Uh, and uh, we hope it's been helpful. Yeah. It's, it's been a crazy story. It's a, I love... This is... One, increasingly one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Definitely. And I want to keep I want to keep studying it because yeah. it feels if, important. It's one of those stories that it feels like the more you keep reading it, the more it's going to give you. you yeah. know? Like it's, which I just finished writing all Hebrew the devotionals for John, and I feel like I just need to restart because I learned so much through that oh, process right. that I just like, yep. they'd be better if I just wrote them all again. Which like, that might be a, a fun way to end this, this podcast is just by saying this, is that this podcast is hopefully a starting point for your interaction with Scripture, yeah. not the terminal point that we hope that this helps you run back to scripture and read it with You're open hearing, eyes. We like, read one or two commentaries yep. and then we talk about it. Yeah. Like this, we're not experts. Nope. We don't, we don't have a script in front of us. We, like we, like we're taking seminary classes, right. but like a lot of times they're not helping us do this podcast. <laughs> do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just hope this makes you run back to your Bible. Like it makes us after we, you know, turn off the, the microphones, uh, we, yeah. we, we find ourselves wanting to go back to the same stories we've just talked about because they yield even more fruit yeah. upon 
uh, visitation after visitation. So anyway, yeah. this is not meant to be the final point of your Bible study, but it's beginning. So uh, run back to your Bibles, read yeah. the story, read the blessings of Balaam and like stand in awe how they're fulfilled yeah. in Jesus. Uh, and if you come up with some more ways, if you see Jesus and his glory in different ways in these prophecies, uh, drop us a line at info at spokengospel.com. Yep. We'd love to hear and from if you. you want to be a blessing to us, <laughs> rate us five stars <laughs> on iTunes on podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit spokengospel.com.